Hello and welcome back to the Football Roundup, Energy Sports' longest-running football show. My name is Jack Donnelly and on today's show we recap a fairly one-sided old firm, discuss another chaotic weekend in the Premier League and more, including the Milan Derby and the return of the SWPL. I said Derby really strangely there. That's, that's what a start that was. Uh, as always, I'm joined by Struan Garvey alongside Graeme Sinclair and Football Roundup debutant Amy Canavan. Hi. <laughs> I mean... It's, it's good to have you on, but I don't know if you really want to be here, Amy, to be honest. Not really. Um, I just felt I had to show my face after making some rather bold statements last week and being a bit cocky. I, I feel like Graham might want to remind us of what that statement was, to be honest. It's been a while since I've been on the Fantasy Roundup, Jack. The Fantasy Roundup? The Fantasy, what was it called? <laughs> football Roundup. <laughs> what's, what's this one again? Sorry. <laughs> It's been a bit while since we've on the football roundup. I know. And this isn't usually what the group that's on, but I'm confident that the football roundup could put out any lineup and be the best sports podcast in the world. So I'll back that, you know. I, I, I would say the exact same. Uh, we're going to start, as always, as we do in this podcast, with this week's big question. And I wanted to ask our panel about their favourite derby moments after Saturday's Old Firm. So, Struan, what's been your favourite derby involving one of your many, many. Many different clubs. Oh, so you've come to me first. I have. Um, you've got a lot to think about. Do you know? I'm gonna I'm gonna go a wee bit f- further back, but not too far back. In the, in the three-two Manchester United Manchester City Van Persie hat trick with the last minute free kick. Okay. I felt that game just it was fantastic. Obviously Van Persie getting a hat trick, he went after the Golden Boot. United won the title. I thought that was just such an important game in that season, and it really just was showing the mark of how good a striker Van Persie was. And of course, it was a very enjoyable moment to be to be a rival at the time. At the time, they're not rivals anymore. They still exist, right? I mean, they probably exist more than you do at the moment, to be honest. But we're only one point behind. <laughs> only one point behind. How many is that going to be by the end of the season? No one's really going to know. Uh, you get any involving Hibs at all? Uh, there's been a few good ones, to be fair. One of one of the best moments was actually in first year in the in the Daryl Horgan double when. I wasn't actually at the game. I was in my in my flat up in Bainfield. Oh yes. And as the game had finished, I was going to the library. I think I went to meet you, Jack, on that day. And I just remember walking up because obviously Bainfield's quite near Tankast, and just walking through the sea of Hearts fans after the two one defeat. Obviously, I didn't have any colours on or anything like that. But it was just it's a fantastic moment just walking through, <laughs> seeing all the abuse that they were just seeing between them. It was a very enjoyable moment. Not the game itself, just the aftermath. Oh, the aftermath is always the best part. That's fantastic. I always love it to see if someone gets an absolute doing in a derby and the camera just pans to like a crying child. I find that so funny. I don't know why. Just I'd, I'd, I'd love to have said Scotland versus England, but that finished too all. It did. In recent terms. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, Graham, how about yourself? Um, I was just thinking which one was the best. Uh, I was. I think I'd probably go for the Morisedu last minute winner against Celtic. They basically clinched the league back then. I think it was about twenty ten. Kind of like it was a scrappy game, a scrappy goal. But anytime they get a last minute winner against our rivals, that's just the best feeling in the world. So that's the game I'd probably go for. Very good one too. And any particular Merseyside derbies that spring out at you? Or a... The Origi one, pretty simple. Oh yeah, uh-huh. scoring the silliest goal of all time. <laughs> Involving one of the silliest goalkeepers of all time, <laughs> mm-hmm. who has, ju- has just come through there, will not face disciplinary action for the challenge, as VAR deemed it not a red card offence at the time. If I speak, I will be in big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get onto that a bit later in the show. Uh, Amy, how about yourself? Are there any big derby moments that stand out for you? 
Um, one of the many, many, many times Celtic have put five past Rangers on recent occasions. Um, uh, the five one at Ibrox definitely stands out. The three nil way we well that'd have been twenty twelve three nil Gary Hooper Charlie Mulgrew that one stands out and I was a bit young but the six two game uh, under O'Neill that's a good one. <laughs> you seem like so like, forlorn about these like good times that Celtic yeah. have had against Rangers, considering what's just happened. Like a violin playing in the background. Right now. <laughs> We've not got like the budget for that. Distant thoughts. It's quite sad. Um, yeah, no, I'd go. F- I think for me, yeah, the five-one Ibrox. Any in the any in the North oh. London derby at all? Oh God, I'm not too. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> that four-four a couple of years ago. Oh, aye. Um, but not really any that stand out as a Spurs win. That's a bit few and far between. Love a draw, don't Spurs? <laughs> Love a draw. And I'd imagine we're probably going to talk about that later in the show. We're giving you a lot of oh, precursors of, what, of what's <laughs> to wait. come in this part. For me, fairly simple. There's not been a lot of clashes between Aaron Kilmarnock over the, over the last few years. But one in particular stands out. 14th of July... 2017, not got a clue what competition it was in. Two days before my 18th birthday, stood in the in the cow shed and standing section of one of three at United with two of my two of my good mates Zach and Ryan. Just seen Andy Gegan leap into the air and bury a heater past the Kilmarnock goalkeeper and pandemonium ensued and air ran out as one 0 winners. That was an excellent moment for me, especially that was the first uh, proper Ayrshire derby that I'd been to. So. It, it, it was a excellent moment, and it was the last time that Aaron Kilmarnock played, and that means that Aaron are still technically the superior team because they won the last derby. So I would I would like to see Sean argue the point, and he'll bring up major trophies, and I couldn't give a shit about that to be quite honest with you. Uh Andy Gegan won his won his the derby, so that's all that matters. As for Chelsea, it'll be one of two against Arsenal. It was either going to be the six nil in Wenger's uh, thousandth game in management. Uh, Mo Salah getting his Premier League uh, campaign underway in that in that game by scoring the last goal of the six. Was that the Oxley Chamberlain Kieran Goodsford card? It game? was, yeah, yeah, it absolutely was. Andre Mariner had an absolute corker of a mistake there. But equally that as well as the four one. We went to Baku and won four one in the Europa League final. Hazard's perfect send off in our Chelsea shirt. It was a glorious moment for everyone involved. Can I don't know. I'd like, to, I'd like to step in and just argue that they don't count because Chelsea's biggest rivals are technically Fulham. <laughs> <laughs> this is a fair point you make, but I feel in big in big rival rivalry matches, I suppose. So you're you're not wrong, but I'd I'd be lying if I if I wasn't like tempted earlier on to say the two 0 over Manchester City just because Scott McTominay scored in the last second. Not but, that long range effort oh, with a goalkeeper in the net. It's beautiful. <laughs> Fantastic. I use that gif of him celebrating far too often. I've though. noticed. <laughs> <laughs> you do use that a fair bit. Right, we're gonna start we're gonna start talking about what's happened at the weekend and as I did with the fantasy ramble, I've got segment names now. Creativity up in the brain and all that. We're gonna start with the focus on Scottish football once again and I've renamed this segment and I've, I've had a bit of a thought process into getting there. We've got a programme in Scotland for any of our wider world listeners called Chewing the Fat. 
And that was the precursor that spawned uh, Still Game, which is one of the most celebrated pieces of media to ever come out of Scotland. So for the next 10 minutes or so, we're going to be chewing the football. Oh, good one, oh, Thank you, thank you. I expected a m- much more negative reaction, to be honest. But I I'm just trying to get in anyone's good books right now. So. <laughs> I think the insurance silence tells the whole story about that one. I think it does. To be the fact that <laughs> yeah. Struin was silent. Killed it, yeah. The fact that Struin of all people was silent for a pun, that, that's when you know you've not done very well. But it's, yeah. my, it's my show and we're sticking with it. <laughs> Obviously, there's only one place that we're going to start here. It's, it's in Glasgow. Uh, Rangers get the first Old Firm win of the new decade on Saturday afternoon, running out as 2-0 winners over Celtic at Celtic Park. With centre-back Connor Goldson scoring both goals for the Light Blues, Graham, obviously you're massively happy with how this went, but just how dominant a performance was it for Rangers? Celtic can put out any team and will beat Rangers. So <laughs> you just just want to make that point straight away. Jack, my overriding feeling of this game was easy, easy, easy. The easiest Rangers victory in an old firm game that I can ever remember. Wow! I think the stats so first time Celtic have another shot on target. In about 12 years, I think that was game against Hibs. Rangers didn't even have to get out of second gear to, to win the game. You can argue all you like about Celtic missing players, but they brought on about 50 million worth of talent. Mm-hmm. Rangers have dominated this fixture. Last five, Four of the last five Rangers have dominated, and it's proved again. Rangers are dictate this game, and I think now we can see it. Celtic might be better better overall because they can beat the better teams, but in Rangers versus Celtic 11 v 11, Rangers are better. Well, surely you make the point about beating the better teams, but surely there is no better team for them to beat than Rangers. I mean, I don't mean sorry, but they're better at beating like the teams that they should beat every week. Rangers, right? To, okay, they're better at breaking down the ten men behind the ball, which is why they win leagues. That in their mentality, mm-hmm. but in 11 v 11 against better teams, sorry, Rangers are better. There we go. Amy, just to uh, follow up on Graham's point there, and as we soundbite from Thursday's edition of Energy Extra Time, that was your claim, that was you quoted to say Celtic can put out any team and beat Rangers. That's going to be hard to do, especially without registering a single shot on target in the entire game. What Just what went wrong for you? Well, we all make mistakes. Neil Lennon included, me included. And I made a big one. No, um... Oh, God, we have to begin. It's, yeah, it's just kind of draining. Um, Graham's right that in, previous, in, in everything about Celtic, it's always about mentality. And there was no mentality on show on on Saturday. I think, you know what the biggest thing for me is really grinding on my nerves is that the camera would constantly cut to Neil Lennon and he literally looked like my dad, when I come home shopping, showing off my clothes to him, he just did not look <laughs> at all. Like, you know, like, oh, dad, what did I buy with your money today? And you just you put on, like, a wee show for him and a catwalk, and he's just, like, oh, so unimpressed. That is literally what Lennon looked like. And where's that mentality? This is, like, they were going... Was it, He was going for, like, his 28th win or something against Rangers in his career, something like that. Massive numbers, and you would never you'd have thought he was somebody who's like, Oh, he's just rocked up like a Pedro Casino or whatever, he has no idea what this fixture mm. means, and all of that. He just looked so uninterested. It was like, Oh, I'd much prefer to be watching the Merge side derby, me and Lenny in the same boat there. Um, <laughs> and oh, I just mm, it's Celtic fans 
they're oh they're just really annoying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Shane Duffy is just not hit the hit the bill yet, and I'm not just saying that after the weekend because I've said that since the word go. Yeah, he's actually he's obviously scored some decent headers and he's a big powerhouse and other, but but defending wise when he's been put under any sort of pressure, he's not really. Um, proving himself right now and for being captain of Ireland you're sort of doubting yourself there because I think it was even we were up at Ross County a few weeks ago and he just did not put in the most commanding performance mm-hmm. uh, I could rattle I don't know why I'm picking on him let's start from Barney the Dinosaur in defence in goal sorry my god wow bring back Scott Bain that's an interesting one does Scott Bain start against Milan yes um, <laughs> something needs to change in that team anyway there's a uh, my god everything I think you really should move on for me because I could just go through every single player uh, and really give them a an obituary fair play to Rangers well done <laughs> <laughs> that's a very finite point there you've just made to definitely move on but I do want to start with you just because I want to oh. touch on Lennon Right. Uh, is it quite concerning for you as a Celtic fan the fact that he didn't look up for this game, which is the biggest game of the calendar? Nah, because you can oh, you look at his mentality against I can't even remember who who put us out of Europe. Copenhagen. There we go. No, that was last season. Uh, oh, Fernando Varos. Oh, Varos. Yeah. That, yeah them. Oh yeah. They, oh yeah. Fair play to them. They've turned out to be really good sides and go on my Hungarian brothers. But um, <laughs> <laughs> the mentality there just was like he didn't even like face. My thing is as well. So Klamala couldn't start against them a few weeks ago because he was like, oh, couldn't really blind. So we put him midfielder. Yeah, we'll chuck Klamala and be a scapegoat against Rangers. Like, I'm sorry, get an hour out of Glee Griffiths, get an hour out of a Yeti. I just, oh, he's just, his tactics are all wrong. And it's not even like groundbreaking science stuff this is just basic things mm. yeah oh and I get that he was he's tried to shoehorn um, Moyle Elianusi into the side right now because the 3-5-2 doesn't really work for him no. so Elianusi has to play up top and I understand that they had a decent run with uh, Norway had a decent international there but Elianusi's just not um, hitting the mark right now and in the top two he just unless he's with Edward he really just what an opportunity he missed! Like I know, it's just, yeah. I know we're saying right, Celtic never had a shot on target, and that is true. But how? I'm sorry, <laughs> my grand could have scored that, and she's in a wheelchair. <laughs> Would have been quite something, to be fair. Uh, I've got my faith in Betty. <laughs> <laughs> More faith than I've got in him. Oofed. That says a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, you could lift, you could rattle through every single Celtic player. I think I are putting a decent performance, probably kept the score down, to be fair. But other than that, Stephen Welsh can't uh, be too disappointed with himself, but the rest, Jeremy Frimpong, my little angel. Oh my days. That was a, oh, my, oh my days. He's been sent off in an old farm, and uh, this was still his worst performance. <laughs> so, it's just, it's, it is worrying in the sense that. Oh, Lennon will come out and like Graham says you can't hide behind this oh we had a few players out or whatever yeah we did but that is why I said last week oh Celtic can put out any 11 and still beat Rangers because Celtic the bench that Celtic had was better than the starting 11 and that's when things are worrying I don't mm-hmm. care that you can make five substitutions there or whatever you can't give 
two all right so match lacking match fitness strikers only 20 minutes and expect them to come on Aye. and make a massive impact i think he's waiting for like a david moyes moment and score three goals with seven minutes whatever <laughs> left like, didn't have that folder he didn't have that yeah, folder exactly. that he could show lee griffith those games are few and far between but lennon wants them every week i'm mm-hmm. simply waiting until the 70th minute for a substitution like the other day oh we should be happy that he actually the substitution on these 65 minutes from the clock or whatever like oh come on i'll go okay. <laughs> uh Stuart, i'm gonna i'm gonna just uh, swing it to you <laughs> just just to get the neutral view on it uh how, how did neutral I, wow I, I, th- <laughs> Amy, I, th- I think if anyone believed you to be neutral after that 16 minutes were in this recording already and we've spoken about one game <laughs> don't think anybody could perceive you to be neutral uh, Stuart, I just wanted to bring your attention to a claim that Graham had made on Thursday's Extra Time uh, I keep referring back to this just to prove to Sean that I actually do listen to his show because I know he, get, you know, he, gets, uh, he gets anxious about it uh, Gra- Graham claimed that if Celtic won this old farm that they would go on to win the league he didn't say the league was done, but he said that that would be the indication that Celtic would go on to win the league title. Obviously, they didn't. So, especially like now, where do we go from here? Is it now Rangers' league to lose, or the Celtic, or will Celtic still have a horse in the race throughout the season? See, I think it's a very difficult one to call at the moment because it's, I think it was something crazy. Like out of the last twenty-five old firms to start the season, only five times has the winner not gone on to win the league itself. And I think if you go back to previous years. The 5-1, which mentioned earlier on for Celtic that year in the Moussa Dembele debut, I think that, that basically just finished that season already there. But I feel if, if Celtic do win against Aberdeen at the weekend, they're only one point behind, I think. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a bit hard to call. As mentioned as well, you know, Celtic were missing a few key players, but I, I would be a bit worried based on just how lacklustre a performance that was. You know, Celtic had shown a bit more fight and maybe at least gotten a 2-1 or... Even if it was a 2-0, but they'd looked up for it throughout the game, I think it might have been different. But just given how one-sided that was, I, th- I think it's just hard to see how they'll turn up. As, as mentioned as well, I don't think in the last year Neil Lennon has had the better side in an old firm. I think the League Cup was a very lucky victory. But, mm. yes, but as, as Graham said as well, Rangers have had a few dodgy moments against the, the smaller teams in the league. I, I don't mean for that to sound nasty saying you know smaller teams, but... In the, teams, all, all in, in the lower half like, of the table, yeah, yeah, and and I think that's that's probably one of the biggest problems. It's it's almost like you could compare it to Manchester City last season. You know, they, they messed up against quite a few of the smaller mm-hmm. teams, and and I think that'll be the consistency for Rangers for this season because they they still haven't lost a game. Neither 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 had Celtic coming into mm-hmm. this one. So I think it's a big marker that the confidence is now going to be with Rangers. But I, I don't think to count Celtic out too early. There's a lot of winners on that side. They've got, they've basically all gone there and done it before. So. It'll be a really interesting Celtic season. Celtic stopped at 10, and the season Celtic stopped at 10, uh, Rangers won the first good one. So, so this, this is potentially history of being itself. I'm going to be Did Celtic deliberately lose this game? <laughs> was, it, was, it all, was it all part of Lenny's oh, big mind games? Oh, God. Now, I asked you about it, Graham. I asked you about uh, whether you thought if Rangers won this, would they go on to win the league? Or, and you said no. I think in the group chat. So, yes, I did say that. What, what made you say that then? It's just that I mentioned earlier about Celtic's mentality and that when they've won these games they've, they've progressed. After the 2-1 defeat last year they bounced back, changed to a 3-5-2 and put in their best run in the season whereas Rangers completely capitulated. 
this season, I think it's different. I thought it was interesting after the game on Saturday how calm and measured the Rangers celebrations were. I don't know how much of that was how comfortable it was and how much there was no fans and it wasn't mm. like holding your breath until the last minute. But I thought, I also thought there was an element to it, well let's not get carried away like we did in January, or December sorry, mm-hmm. because we did that and then we went out and we folded after completely after it. This time we know there's more to do, there's, there's way more to go. And so I think that was a really interesting approach. But it's just the Rangers haven't done it. They've lost, they've not won a league title. They won nine straight. Mm-hmm. They know how to do it. They know how to bounce back. They know how to keep in it. Rangers don't have that. So when Rangers get down, they just don't retaliate well enough. And Celtic do. So that's why I said that if Celtic won this game, the mental blow of it would have given them the title. And for Rangers, it wouldn't. Well, I think it's all still to be seen because, I mean, the mentality thing is obviously a massive thing and we know how steely Celtic can be and grind out results when it matters most. But part of me thinks that Gerard might have just completely obliterated any hope of uh, the same mistakes that Rangers have had last season. They, they look just a much more put together and a much more well-run team this season and I don't know if that's just because I've seen them more this year or I've not really kind of watched much of them after the kind of fall-off, but... They just seem to know exactly what they need to do coming into yep. every game. See, when you compare the transfer windows that each team had this past recent summer, I think you'd have to give it to Rangers 100%. Just that oh, yeah. alone uh-huh. showed more ambition. They're the team that want this more. And I, I think it would be the exact same if, if right now, you know, Rangers won for 10 in a row, Celtic would throw the kitchen sink at trying to stop it. Aye. I think that was a big indication before the season even began. Interesting. Interesting. This is, I, I saw... Celtic's team and got encouragement on Saturday. I saw Rangers team and that's the strongest Rangers bench I've seen in about 10 years. Mm-hmm. We had Haji, we had Aribo, we had Itten, we had Ryan Jack. We didn't even have Kamaru mm-hmm. who, in my opinion, would should be starting for us when he gets back because I think he's better than Morelos. Mm-hmm. Even like McLaughlin. And we had McLaughlin who's a, a quality backup keeper. Absolutely. With all this talk about how many players Celtic are missing, at the start of the season they'd be told me that Haji, Aribo and Jack were on the bench and we'd still win so easily. Mm-hmm. And we were laughing in your face. Cause it seems so odd. They, those two would have been guaranteed starters in the team. But they had so, they had so many good performances. I mean, Glenn Kamara on Saturday, I know Golson got the goal, but Glenn, Glenn Kamara was the man of the match. He had an excellent game. Some of these like, turns, some of these passes, it's, he had this reverse pass to Ryan Jack that was just cut out three Celtic players. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It just it was a stroll in the park for us. A stroll in the park indeed, and I think there's no arguing that whatsoever. Um, my dad, actually, because he, he was a Celtic fan growing up, he was watching the game with my grandpa, and he texts me at full time, and I want to go and see. <laughs> His word at full time was sack Lennon now, in three exclamation marks. Awful, no passion, absolutely terrible. I am looking my boots out. So... My, my dad's reaction was just walking out the room at full time. <laughs> <laughs> so my 51-year-old father seems to think that he would probably do a better job in that Celtic team than a number of different players. It's interesting to see what Celtic, Celtic do in, re- in response to this. Absolutely. La- last season they changed to the 3-5-2, changed their season. What did they do this time? Did they find a new formation? Do they just hope it turns around? Because this is, this mm-hmm. hasn't been, you know, oh my God, we lost to know How did that happen? This has been coming the way the season uh, yeah. started. They now have the harder run of fixtures in the second round. They have to go away to Hibs, away to Aberdeen, away to Livy, away to Motherwell. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they respond for the rest of this year. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, they don't really get the luxury of time or points, points gap no. to be able to change a formation or change a system because 
if they stumble even for two more games, Rangers could really just run away, which is the real concern for Lennon at the moment. So something needs to change and needs to change quickly if they are to continue this challenge. We spent 25 minutes talking about one game, so we're going to move on just and talk about a couple of the other games in Scotland over the weekend. Stuart, I'll come to you just to talk about the Edinburgh side of the thing since we're an Edinburgh-based show. Uh, Hibs were left frustrated away in Dingwall, failing to find a breakthrough despite Ross County playing the final 10 minutes of the match with 10 men after Conor Randall was sent off. Is that entirely concerning for you, especially when you had both Kevin Nisbet and Christian Doidge on the pitch? Uh, I'm not not too concerned. I think I think it was quite a dominant performance. It just wasn't coming up. Even uh, McGuinness hit the bar. I think within the opening thirty minutes. So it's, the way I look at it is, it's just one of those games. You know, it didn't come off mm. today. But I think there's still a lot of signs of positivity. The amount of chances created, another clean sheet, which shouldn't really sound like much. But based on the last couple of seasons with Hibs, I'll yeah. take any clean sheet that that comes our way, basically. But yeah, it wasn't too bad. No, no Josh Doig again with Lewis Stevenson is probably the only player I'd have added into that team. Other than that, I think that was probably our strongest eleven available. Mm-hmm. Uh, all, all I'm going to say, Ross County start the boy that was on loan at Air last season and they keep a clean sheet against Hibs. Did you on loan from Jack that boy? Ross doing. Uh, oh, Ross doing. Uh-huh. I was thinking Stephen Kelly. I don't know why. Oh no, I know the keeper. Sorry, I should have specified one of our, one of the three keepers called Ross. <laughs> Ross County, Ross doing what a player. Uh, we'll move across the city from Hibs and look at their city rivals' hearts as they kicked off their championship season in spectacular fashion, running out as 6-2 winners in the opening match of their of the second tier against title rivals Dundee. Graham, hearts look composed and stylish in their victory, capped off by an Andy Halliday goal. <laughs> D- did you celebrate that goal more as a Rangers fan or a Paul Slane fan? As an Andy Halliday fan, to be honest with you, mate. He's a breath of fresh air. I actually, when he left Rangers, it was like decision, and I kind of left on mutual terms. And then they brought him on the open goal, and he's just I love him all over again. He's brilliant, isn't he? He's he's funny, but he's also got good. Ta- he's at, he shouldn't be quite knowledgeable about mm. the game, which uh, some of the other ones in that podcast do not have. Despite <laughs> being hilarious, and it was good to see him batting, scoring goals. Was all his goal the precursor to a Rangers old firm victory? It must have been. Oh, Andy Halliday only only plays in debuts when they win six two and he scores. Gets two two teams in a row. You know, <laughs> you know the pictures of it. Like you'd have like a stadium and then you've got like the silhouette of a former player up in the sky <laughs> and some <laughs> Barna Barris is down at the ground saying, "How am I doing, boss?" And Andy Halliday's in the sky saying, "I am doing fine." <laughs> <laughs> Left backs union at Rangers. Um, just. Touching on this result, is it going to be a fairly comfortable title for Hearts in the Championship or is it going to be potentially a bit more difficult for them? Well, I said after uh, 30 minutes that if Hearts don't go unbeaten that they've had a failed season, so... <laughs> <laughs> I just think, if that's the second best team in the league they're playing and half that team are overweight for Dundee, then it should be fairly easy for Hearts to not lose yeah. a game this season. Mm-hmm. Hearts' squad really is probably premiership quality. I, don't, I wouldn't rule out Dunfermline though, no, but... I saw Dundee were the second favourites. The Hearts had Haring, Naismith, White, and Halliday on the bench. That's so a strong like, quartet on the bench to come off. That, yeah. I'd say that's four players that play better than any other player in the championship. On Hearts' bench, and Friday. So too good for the championship. They should they should walk that league. Aye, they really should. But hopefully, Robbie Nielsen as well as a manager. Yeah, when you think he, he 
could have gone Premiership with Dundee. He could have gone United. Premiership with Dundee after getting them promoted after an excellent season, but came back to Hearts in unfinished business. So hopefully he'll be able to make Hearts that real powerhouse again that they once have been. I have to admit, I, I, it's, I'm taking every opportunity I've got to shoehorn my own team in here because it's the first time we've been able to talk about them properly for, for months. He had won a game. He had won the first game of the championship season and I was buzzing about it. Uh, defeated Queen of the South at home 2-1. And to be honest, the game itself was nothing to write home about. I had that up on one screen and Chelsea game up on the, on the other half of the screen. But the best part of the game itself was... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You knew I was talking about this. <laughs> you got jacked up. <laughs> it wasn't my dad, unfortunately. I should have sent him down. Uh, a few Air fans, a few honest men, they managed to climb up on the embankment next to Somerset Road. Uh, Somerset Park, even. Good. Aye, so it was well, on Somerset Road, on, overlooking Somerset Park. Setting off flares at full time. But they were heard. The, the journalists there they could hear, hear the Air fans throughout. And I think it was Ben McNichol that tweeted, tweeted it out. When Stephen Dobby uh, stepped up to take his penalty that had the deficit in the first half, uh, all the Air United fans could be here chanting, if, if I just want to get this absolutely right, Stephen Dobby has a wee Bobby. I'm, bu- I'm buzzing the championships back, boys. It has, it has to be said. That's a great part. It's good, isn't it? Did you say that on the podcast? I've already sworn on the podcast, so I mean, it's free reign at this point, I suppose. <laughs> no, but that was good. I'm, I'm buzzing to see you back. I, I'm yet to, yet to order my away shirt, because it's one of the nicest that I've seen this season. Is, is Stephen Dobby 37 now? Stephen Dobby was managing the team, because the Queen of management had to self-isolate because of COVID. <laughs> I think we've talked about air enough. Let's go. Let's I think on. we have. <laughs> just, be, just before we cap off our Scotland, uh, the chewing the football here, I just wanted a uh, moment of silence for Manpreet, part at Thistle, demoted into League One and failed to beat Clyde away on the opening day. Just, just uh, really yeah, unfortunate. Manpreet had that problem with the way he bragged about his team being massive the other day. Aye, I see Evan McFarlane was getting involved with the Morton side of things. <laughs> so... You get you get what happens when you when you say silly things before games. Silly things like Celtic can put out any team and beat Rangers. <laughs> then usually you get what's coming to you. Silliness just brings more silliness. That is the one thing we've learned from this weekend of Scottish football. Uh, we're going to move our discussion down south and get some premium Premier League patter on the go. Uh, <laughs> I'm rotten with these. Let, come on, just give me something here. Just Graham's reaction to that. <laughs> That's the guy for the guy that interviews Trump from I think Yeah, I know the one. And he looks like it's like Trump's looking at the grass. He's got a guy who looks at him and just looks back. That's what my face was right there. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you just compared me to Donald Trump. I'm not too happy. I'm not happy about that. We'll <laughs> talk about football. <laughs> I mean, well, most of the focus up here was on the old farm. The Merseyside Derby arguably provided a more entertaining and much more dramatic affair. Uh, Liverpool thought they'd won it in stoppage time after Jordan Henderson scored, but VAR ruled the goal out for a supposed offside, the game finishing 2 all. Plenty to unpack in this one. Graham, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about VAR, but plain and simply, should Liverpool have won this game? Oh, let me... I am going through my head to make sure I don't say something that I regret. Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the VAR, the citizens themselves, I've always said this, it's terribly unlucky, but... I think it it just happens sometimes. 
It's silly. The fact that David Cook's refereeing the Leeds Wolves game tonight is a disgrace. He should be refereeing it. But usually that this stuff balances itself out. Mm-hmm. I think what I, I'd like to focus on more is how dirty Everton were in this game. Yeah, they really came out with that. The <laughs> Pickford challenge on Van Dyke is disgusting. That is knee level the whole way. The one in Richardson and Thiago is just as bad. Mm-hmm. And throughout the whole game, because I went back and watched it, obviously it was the same time as the Rangers Celtic game, they just kept ne- putting niggly stuff in. And that happened in a derby, but it, they went over the line. And Michael Oliver enabled it. It was uh, Liverpool with a better team in this game. They should have won this game. Should have won this game for their own chances. They should have won it through the chances they weren't given. The red card that should have been given. And Everton are celebrating a 2-2 draw against the rivals and putting out Liverpool's best defender for the season. So I hope they're happy. The small time Tim Pot Club. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor's going to come for you with that comment, you know that, because of his unbridled love I for Hamas. I don't think Taylor's going to be arguing with me anytime soon because he knows I can put him to sleep whenever I do that. <laughs> <laughs> we have seen that. What what episode did it, what podcast was it? Where, it was a Ronaldo one. Yeah, Ronaldo one. Like you genuinely just walked him into a corner and left him there. <laughs> uh, you touched upon it there, Graham. I mean, perhaps more importantly than the result itself, Virgil van Dijk suffered an injury following that horrific challenge from Jordan Pickford. As a result, the defender is potentially facing the rest of the season on the sidelines. Uh, it was an AC, it damaged ACL. He's having to go in and get surgery. Uh, Amy, how big a miss is this going to be for Liverpool, especially with some of the comments that have uh, come from his potential absence about their title hopes? Seven, eight months, if not the whole season, yeah? Yeah, something like that. Um, massive, massive questions are going to be asked for this Liverpool defence now. I think somebody said that it's obviously the questions that have been sort of brewing for the last few seasons, if, like it would be, if they don't have Van Dijk, what do they do? How do they cope? Without Alisson as well, that's massive. Um, it's a massive double blow. Um, and then does somebody say Joe Matip's getting? Yeah, he's under. Yeah, he's, scan for he's apparently been spotted at the spotted at the hospital. This is trans, uh, transfer I'm journalists are lurking about hospitals to see who's coming and going. <laughs> Fabrizio Romano's waiting outside a surgery, ready to say, "Here we go!" As soon as the operation starts, <laughs> ACL tear. Here we go, confirmed. <laughs> David Ornstein doing all the hard work. Romano comes yeah. bursting at the hospital lift. Thiago's out as well for the Ajax game at least. He so, is, yeah, so he's, he's done from yes. that Richardson title. It's, um, it's, oh, it's, it's quite horrible to think about actually. Um, I know. It's like, see, this could... You struggle to see how how Liverpool build a defence um, that that is going to be solid enough to pursue a full, pretty much a full Premier League season. Pretty worrying how the title... Uh, is going to go and they'll need to spend some money in January. It could be a case of that, to be honest. I mean, the defence has already been kind of asking, been asked questions. Yeah. Yeah. Gomez and Matip have never started a game together. No. Really? Which is worrying in itself. Both been at the club for like four, four years each. That's surprising. How uh, good? Look, how much of a stranglehold did Dejan Lovren have on that third centre back <laughs> slot? My Ragnar Klavan as well. <laughs> Ragnar Klavan. <laughs> good it's lord! It's always just been Van Dijk and somebody else, really, hasn't Aye. it? Yeah. Gomez was the best fit for that partnership, to be honest, from what I've seen. But it's going to be 
a fair challenge to build a brand new partnership for the rest of a Premier League season, considering how tested that Liverpool battling has already been this year. Uh, Struan, we'll just look at Everton quickly. Uh, both of us were quite hesitant about Dominic Calvert-Lewin on the fancy ramble on Friday and how he would get on in a fixture like this. Suffice to say, as he's often done when you and I, have, <laughs> you and, I and everyone else have questioned him, he's just got, gone and blown our expectations away. He had no reason to worry. He let like an absolute salmon to header in Everton's second equaliser of the game. Uh, with Richarlison suspended for at least three games after committing another awful challenge on Thiago, which rules him out of at least the Ajax game, uh, how important is it going to be for DCL to carry on his goal-scoring hot streak if Everton are to stay at the top end of the league? Yeah, massive. He's, he's been fantastic this season. Even internationally, he's been great. I think I'd go as far as say, I think he's the best striker in the air at the moment in the Premier League. I don't think another striker is as good in the air at the moment. Just the leap. Oh, it's fantastic. But I think Richardson will be a massive loss. I think definitely should be missing an absolutely horrible tackle on Thiago. Mm. And then he puts up some kind of tweet to try and defend it. But I think Dominic Cavalier will be big. I think Bernardo Iwobi will probably come into the side now, who I just don't think will have the same impact. But yeah, Calvert-Lewin is, is basically doing just about everything for Everton at the moment. It's, it's almost in that situation that if he does fall away from form or get an injury, I, I don't know where the goals come from in that team. I mean, Who have Everton got as a backup? Because Moise Keane went on loan to PSG. I think the backup is literally Richarlison at the moment. I think that's one of the one of the big issues with that team at the moment. And it, and it was last season, I think, other than Richarlison and Dominic Cavalloon, the next highest scorer was Sigurdsson with three. So I, th- I think James Rodriguez is coming to provide. I know, I think James Rodriguez is coming to provide more goals from midfield. But I think one of the biggest problems is if Calvert Lewin or Richarlison, who's probably going to have a few suspensions this season and he's had a few injury concerns as well, if he stops, I think that entire team stops. Which I think is going to be the big concern. Mm-hmm. There's Cech Tossin, who I believe is still at yeah. Everton. What, yeah. what? Mister yeah. Mister Angry Birds himself? Yep, the very same. <laughs> so I, I don't know if he could if he could perform that good, but. He had his. He will be down as a forward as well. Really, <sighs> struggling. I know. They probably should have kept Walcott. In all, in all seriousness. Yeah. yeah. To be honest, Walcott is probably better than Bernard and it will be. What's the deal with Yannick Bellassi? He nearly got a move to Middlesbrough, but it collapsed at the last second. I don't. Know, I don't happened. think a lot of Everton fans rate Bellassi no, very highly, but he's a class guy. He's he's a top class yeah. human being. Bellassi got injury. His link up with Lukaku a few seasons ago was fantastic. Mm, yeah, I remember that. You're right enough. It, I mean, I don't want to say it. We're five games out of the season, but. It's Aston Villa's league to lose, I know. <laughs> ever in title? He says tentatively. I mean, I, I don't think it'll happen, but. Genuinely, Leeds could win the league at this point. Like, I, I don't understand who the favourite is. Like Liverpool, I would have said, yeah, they'll still win it. But losing Van Dijk is massive. Chelsea could win it. No, we couldn't. Could win it. No, we like, couldn't. Genuinely, might as well. Like, <laughs> might as well. I mean, I'd take a might as well win it. Like, if we if we get that attitude, and Lampard just goes, might as well win the league now. I would say Manchester City, but they're not very good this season. <laughs> they don't seem put together at all. City. They just look like a completely different side that haven't been playing together for years. Like without De Bruyne, they're absolutely. I mean, I. I Completely jinxed against the Manchester City game, but <laughs> you'll get, we need, you will need to talk about that in a minute. Actually, just how much you jinxed that. I, even the defensive recruitment. I don't think Nathan Ake or Ruben Diaz, who cost a hundred million between the two of them, are, are exactly going to change it. I mean, I think 
This is going to sound really, really bad thing to say, but see whoever wins the league this season. Is it going to be deserved, given just there's no sort of consistency? I mean, Aston Villa and Everton are the top two. Even around Europe at the moment, Sociedad are top of La Liga, AC Milan are top of the Italian league, Lille are top two of Celtic's opponents, uh, Lille are top of the French <laughs> league, and I think Leipzig well, are top. <laughs> I think Leipzig are top of the German league. It's 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 crazy football. Football Hard. is, as, as Cesc Fabregas once said, football is it's something unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, we we, can't, we probably shouldn't say the f bomb on, on a podcast, but good, good, well behaved students here at here at uh, Napier. What's the f word? Ah, <laughs> oh, Fred. In Man United's midfield. <laughs> uh, I want I want to take a bit of a focus on the London clubs and their fortunes over the weekend. For the biggest three, it was dreadful. <laughs> Uh, we saw both Spurs and Chelsea uh, saw their games end in three all draws, having led early and conceding the equaliser late on. Amy, it's been a bit of a rough watch for both of us, to be honest. Uh, Chelsea and Spurs dropping points against Southampton and West Ham, respectively. Mm-hmm. Additionally, Struan said that their Arsenal ended up losing away to Manchester City, Raheem Sterling scoring the only goal in the game after he jinxed Arsenal horrifically. I'm sorry, Arteta. Uh, yeah. Well, given the first five games that all three of these teams have had, how are we ranking the three biggest London clubs' chances of top four this season? Fulham, West Ham, um, <laughs> Crystal Palace. <laughs> all behind Aston Villa in the top four. Yeah, fine, yeah. That's the way it's going. Um, I really have no words on Spurs right now. Um, <laughs> I, I, Really, really hard to come. Like Celtic, yeah, that was fine. It was a given. Spurs, oh my god! Like I was eight minutes of I'm, hell. I'm reading on my phone like Jamie Carragher or somebody's. Well, I shouldn't have been reading him for starters. But somebody came out and was like, "Oh, if this was a boxing match. The referee would be calling time on it already and throwing a uh, West Ham would be throwing the towel in." So I'm like, "Oh God, yes, Spurs are in for a big afternoon." And then I stood away at my work and then, oh, let's plug Sean McGill. Messages me and it's. <laughs> like how? I'm like 80, 81st minute check my phone 3 nil up lovely but you're thinking oh it's a bit worrying second half no really capitalised on anything but I was like alright just sitting back here Gareth Bale misses a sitter which I refuse to even look at because I'll just cry <laughs> um, <laughs> cheers for um, I just there are no words there are no words uh, Spurs aren't finishing second either. Oh yeah, I, you did make that claim on extra time as well, and seemed to just gloss over it massively. Yeah, really quickly spoke to me for that. I thought, oh, brilliant! The big win at the weekend. I'll go and I'll go and start next. We're gonna go. Oh, yeah, I called it. Okay. <laughs> I also do quite like the state of the group chat at the time when Spurs were like on that early tear. So Graham goes, maybe Amy is right with Spurs finishing second. Struan go- goes, if Van Dyke is out for a period of time, maybe first. That's a big L from Struan. <laughs> oh, he's taking a fat. I stand by Hurricane as the best striker in the league, though. Yeah, no, uh-huh, that's easy. His passing ability is. It's not a break easy, he barely plays. Haha, <laughs> sorry. Go on. Uh, Kane's passing ability right now is, <laughs> is insane. He's always been the kind of unreal finisher. Now this year, it's his passing. He's passed for the first goal for Sutton was amazing. His son is just beautiful. Mm-hmm. It really is. Mm-hmm. He's just like a better Firmino. Aye, but like I don't, I don't get that comparison. No, really. I don't get that comparison. That's, <laughs> that's an odd one. 
I feel like that's trying to bait me in. Strain, I'm not being funny. I'm a Spurs fan. That was just ridiculous. <laughs> Kane's an out-and-out goal scorer and a leader. Firmino's like a creator sometimes when yeah. he wants to. It was generally just like the, the way like the drop deep and let the other two in. Mm, it was more of just a subtle dig at Firmino. I can't lie. <laughs> <laughs> Seemed more of a dig at Harry Kane, to be honest. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> I think... I like, I like the comment that Graham made last night when when uh, Lanzini scored that absolute worldie. This is the best Premier League season ever and we're five games in. I don't think that's a wild statement. Genuinely, the way this is set up, this could be the most incredible Love season that we'll open. see. Well, what? Love it being open. Like, Stream was saying just mm-hmm. a few minutes ago, like, oh, whoever wins it, will it maybe be deserving the fact that there's not a big title challenge from say maybe Liverpool or Man City I think that yeah, it's still a long season but I know like say are only five games in but to have Man City what are they 10th in the league or something like that like that is exciting I think that's great no it's, it's fantastic G- given the last two seasons it's been basically completely dominated by Liverpool and yeah. Manchester City yeah. with their 90 plus points and then the rest of the league just kind of falling behind it's nice to see as, as, as it is only five games it's still nice to see this difference uh, something else I want to touch on, uh, Chelsea didn't field a German fraud this week because Werner and Havertz actually both scored. Werner scoring two Premier League goals and Havertz getting his first as well, but I suppose the real German fraud is Antonio Rudiger for not being able to get in a match day squad. And if Kepa was German, he would be the fraud of the week, as per usual, because he made me hate football again. <laughs> Every time he plays. As, as, as soon as I saw that Mendy wouldn't make that game, like we wouldn't be the Southampton game. I feared the worst. <laughs> I feared that we would end up dropping points, and unfortunately, my fears were realised. But we move. We move. We move on to Sevilla tomorrow night. Uh, I do just want to touch on Villa before we move on to last night's challenge. Uh, Heat. They had another successful weekend, scoring late on to win one 0 away at Leicester, becoming the only team in the top five leagues in England to still boast a hundred percent start to their season. Somehow. At some part of me, it's, I can't believe it. <laughs> like, I don't really have the words to explain what's going on with Villa at the moment. It's basically for this. It's basically for this game. Sorry, Amy. The uh, Ross Butler scored in the ninety-first minute, and reminded us this game's on because I saw nothing about this game in, like, <laughs> on Twitter or anything until Ross Butler scored. This goes. Oh, Villa scored. Wait, Villa were playing who? Just because of the box <laughs> office thing. But oh, they've yeah, looked, but they've been fantastic. They recruited well, mm-hmm. and the player the keeper they kept has been so instrumental for them. Uh, fair play them. Fair play. They really did recruit mm-hmm. well, uh, mm-hmm. and that's a given. And obviously, this nobody. I'm not saying oh, for that or whatever, because this is a really strong start. But Villa really did underperform last season. Like yeah. they should not have been in a relegation battle. So yeah, it is a big surprise, obviously, that they are there. But it's not as big as maybe, like on paper, if you looked at both seasons, it's not that big because, in a way, like well, actually they were they were unlucky, but they should have they should never have been in that in the position that they found themselves mm-hmm. in, seriously fighting for their lives. Like they have a like Dean Smith's built a really good team over the last few years, and last year was a massive underperforming season, so it's nice to see them do well. No, absolutely. I mean, it's I crazy to think that if, if sort of the uh, eagle eye, or whatever it's called, the goal Hawkeye. system was work at Hawkeye, that's the one. If it was working at Sheffield United, they might actually have been relegated. Yeah, I reckon enough. Which is yeah. crazy to think, given now 
I think the good thing about them this season, they're not being overly reliant on Jack Grealish as they were last season. Yeah. Because I think when you put your entire club's faith into one player, it can really yield bad, like really bad consequences. I mean, potentially Everton could end up doing that if they end up being too overly reliant on Calvert-Lewin's goals, depending on how the rest of the season pans out. But I think Ross Bartley was a very smart addition. And it's no surprise at all I fit John McGinn, sorry, his mates. Oh, aye, time. absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. Like that is, that's almost like, obviously, the tail end of last season he was back after the project restart. But it is sort of like a new signing compared to maybe about a year ago now when he mm-hmm. uh, came out injured. So, no, it's, they've, got, they've got a really, really strong one here. I, think I remember he said at the sorry. start of the season, sorry, sorry to interrupt again. I remember he said at the start of the season it was the first game he'd play, played without pain. Mm-hmm. So obviously, yeah. like, I think the good thing is with McGinn, it's not just getting a fully fit John McGinn; it's a match sharp John McGinn, because yeah. when he came back for Project Restart, he just didn't have the same impact he did at the start of the season before he got injured when he scored that goal against Spurs, and he was just really instrumental throughout. Got injured, came back for Project Restart, and was I feel quite tentative in his play, but that makes sense if he was uh, still injured throughout. But having a match a uh, match fit John McGinn. Jack Wheeler still playing well, Ross Bartley coming in, Ollie Watkins scoring goals. It's a really rejuvenated uh, Villa side, and it's nice to see them up there. Leicester, on the other hand, <laughs> a big bottle job, Brendan, once again. <laughs> Five games in and he's bottled it. Uh, to be fair, the, I think more can be said about Leicester's strength and depth being a real problem, yeah. just because of how many players they had injured and not being able to field suitable replacements to keep them competing at the top level, so... As far as first 11s goes, I generally think Leicester's is up there with one of the best in the league. But other than that, they don't have any good substitutes. No, that's a I problem. I wouldn't even say 12, 13 good players. That is a real issue, but I suppose that, that's probably gonna, what's going to have to be the next step. And so if they are to make a step up to being a really, really top club in the country. Uh, with that, we're now coming on to Last Ditch Challenge, where we sweep up the biggest news from the world of football over the weekend. We'll start in Italy where AC Milan defeated City rivals Inter for the first time since 2016 as they maintained their perfect winning start to the Serie A campaign, being the only team other than Aston Villa in Europe's top five leagues to boast a 100% record to the start of the season. Struin, I know you love talking about him as much as possible. It was another quick fire Zlatan Ibrahimovic double in the first half that sealed the victory for Milan in a 2-1 win for Erosineri. And with the first batch of Europa League fixtures coming this week, how important is a Swedish striker going to be for Milan in the next few weeks? I think he's going to be massive. I think he joined halfway through last season. They qualified for Europe one of the first times in a long time. They didn't have him in the in the best penalty. Was it Rio Ave? The best? Rio Ave, I was about yeah. to say the best mm-hmm. penalty shootout I've probably ever seen. The worst. It was, it was the worst penalty shootout. It was both the best and the worst at the one time. It was, it was fantastic. And then obviously massive, massive game performance. He's a, he's a big game player. 39 years now as well, mm-hmm. but I, th- I think just credit to AC Milan as a whole. I think they as well had a really good transfer window. I think the signing of Sandro Tonali was absolutely fantastic. I think he's a fantastic player, given how... I think I think he was very close to going to Inter Milan as well, but then AC Milan came in at the last second and secured him, and I just think they've got a really good squad going forward. I think, obviously I'm going to praise Ibrahimovic as much as I can, but both on and off the field, I think he's going to be massive... And I think going into this game in the Europa League, I think they will have a very good chance. The, pa- the fact that they were pot three is just, it's just pretty incredible. I mean, it is ridiculous. If you'd said 10 years ago that AC Milan would be pot three in the Champions League, you'd have been questioning it. But it, I mean, it's absolutely incredible. But 
Yeah, I think they're a very exciting team at the moment. They're, as, as you mentioned earlier on, Villa, one of only two teams to have a 100% record, the other being Milan at the moment. So, yeah, yeah. I, think it'll be, I think it'll be a very good season. It'll be nice to see AC Milan. It's always nice to see you know one of the top teams in the country back up there in the title because, mm-hmm. as we've seen, Juventus have had it nine years in a row now. So, it'll be nice to see a bit more competition there. And the thing is, it's still not a massively impressive starting eleven that they put out. Yes. I mean, Donnarumma, Calabria, uh, Simon Chiar, Romagnoli, Hernandez... Ismael Benacer, Frank Kessier, Rafael Leal, Chanaloglu, uh, Sailmaker. Who the hell is that? That's the, the right winger, that Alexis yeah, the, one. Ale- Alexis, yeah, the right winger, yeah. and then Zlatan up front. I mean, it's. Tanali's even on the bench. Tanali yeah, was on the bench. He came on for Kessier, I think it was, in that yeah. game. And um, even <laughs> even Paolo Maldini's son Daniel was on, on the bench. Daniele Maldini, was he? Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> was Diogo Dallo on the bench? No. It was. That's fantastic. As it was, was? Um, yeah, him and Brahim Diaz, of course, who some may remember from Manchester mm-hmm. City Real Madrid. So, few interesting signs. As was Alexis Sanchez for Inter Milan. Remember him? <laughs> remember him? Yeah, I, I really do hope AC Milan. They probably won't win the title. It's very early, and you just know the the power that Juventus have. Probably hard to see them mm-hmm. come up short. But it'd be nice to see a team like AC Milan back up there amongst the top. And even Aye. just to be in the Champions League again, I think AC Milan would be fantastic. But they'd probably be pot four at this rate. <laughs> Champions League royalty, AC Milan. So it's good. it would be good to see them to get back in Europe's most elite competition. Uh, Graham, over in Spain, both Barcelona and Real Madrid lost poorly over the weekend, losing 1-0 to Getafe and Cadiz, respectively. Uh, well, Madrid, uh, they were sitting at the top of the, pre- uh, the La Liga table sorry, before Sociedad got uh, their result. Barcelona are three points behind in ninth at the time of my notes, but I th- believe it has changed since then. They're probably a bit further down. Uh, next weekend, or this weekend coming rather, it brings us the first El Clasico of the season. With all the troubles that Barcelona have been having uh, in the last year or so, how important is it going to be for Ronald Koeman's side to get the win against their fiercest rivals? Well, Barcelona aren't that far behind Real Madrid so far this season because they're both having their struggles. I mean, Barcelona are getting a hand, and if they win it, they'll go ahead of Real on the table. They've kept Messi, and oh, he's used to playing, so he must be back in it somewhat. It's kind of it's a mess of a club, but they're still not going to be more than second in that league at least. And I think this derby on Saturday wouldn't be. I would probably expect them to win it because it's at the New Camp. It's a big bold claim. It's a big bold claim. Sorry, I was, I was uh, just sorting something out there. That's. Uh, I mean, you do think that some. It's just kind of seems to be the bigger clubs or the biggest clubs that we saw in our childhood are just kind of almost falling away a bit just now. I mean, I feel like Real Madrid and Barca. They're still massive in terms of being complete super clubs, but they just aren't as dominant as they once could, were. Could be one of the final El Clasicos with Messi as well. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's important to say that. It's less that they're like falling away as much as that Spain have just dominated. Spain dominated Europe for the last ten years until until the last two seasons won everything, and it's always going to fall off eventually because you can't you can't win every European competition for Aye. thirty years. There's always been peaks and valleys of which country dominates, and right now Spain are taking their break to regroup because both teams have kind of old teams. And haven't recruited well enough mm-hmm. and replaced them that so far. They've, and I'm sure in five years' time they will have, they've got players in that are better. That, and if I'm way back up in that kind of standing, but right now they're both just having to. I think the fact that both of them at the same time seem to be kind of in a rebuild phase for them, 
that's why people are kind of getting a bit crazy about it. I think it's just speaks volumes when uh, Martin Braithwaite is wearing the number nine at Barcelona, yeah. and the sooner that that gets eradicated, the better. <laughs> Martin Braithwaite now has two um, shout-outs on the roundup. Has one show. Yep. Graham mentioned earlier on about an emergency signing. Oh, he did. Yeah. This is a Martin Van- well, Braithwaite episode. Clearly, Martin Braithwaite show. It's funny as well. The Real Madrid basically relied on Sergio Ramos penalties to win them the league last season. <laughs> How many goals did he end up getting? It was like. 13 or something like that he was the season. second highest scoring defender in Europe last season which is pretty crazy who was the first Alex Tevez <laughs> actually no that might did be you the set me up? did you set me up there for that Maybe. was that intentional that, that actually might be the other way around I think Ramos might have been the highest scoring defender mm, well, there you go. Uh, finally just before we wrap up today's show I just wanted to touch on the return of women's football in Scotland this past weekend SWPL getting back underway uh, it was Glasgow City, Rangers, Hibs and Forfar all getting their seasons off to the best start with a win. Uh, with Rangers 5-1, battering of hearts being a solid statement as to how they'll be approaching the upcoming campaign. Uh, I'm not sure, well I know Stuart and I were watching uh, the Hibs game uh, on Sunday because we had to. Uh, because of our uh, work with the team. But Amy, I'm not sure if you saw any of these games or if you get any uh, shouts that you want to make for this upcoming season. Um, I've seen highlights from Glasgow v Celtic. I didn't catch the highlights of the Hibs game. Not seen anything yet. Sorry, boys. Um, but <laughs> Glasgow, hey, Glasgow put in a. To be fair, it was just a real continuation of Celtic's men's team. They never looked pretty gutless. Um, no, Glasgow put in a, a decent performance, which you would expect. And I hope for you, Hibs. Um, Hibs, Hibs win this season. But uh, I think it's uh, I think Glasgow are looking very strong yet again. Mm-hmm. Like Struan, what, what did you make of that result? Because I mean, we knew the same way that this fixture panned out before the season was scrapped. Uh, Celtic came out as winners, winning uh, very late on. I think two one was the final score, if I remember rightly. So, what what do we reckon? Is it going to be another really dominant league for City, or are Rangers and Celtic going to prove uh, more problematic than they have in years prior? Well, I think it was quite nice to see an old firm getting beaten after all the talk that they've had recently. Mm. You know, a lot of people have sort of counted out Hibs and Glasgow City from the recent years. Interesting as well that Glasgow City ended, uh, sorry, Celtic ended Glasgow City's unbeaten run last season. So I think it was a bit refreshing to just, it's almost that message of intent, you know, like we're still here, we're still the best team in the league. Don't just think you can come and take our spot so easily. Aye, absolutely. It's nice to see. Hopefully, uh, get a few more eyes on uh, women's football in Scotland this season, especially with the games being shown on the BBC at least one every weekend so hopefully a bit more of a competitive SWPL this season uh, that is all from us this week on the Football Roundup thank you very much to for, to everyone for listening be sure to subscribe to Energy Sports Podcast feed wherever you get yours and follow us over on Twitter at ENRG Sport to keep up to date with all of our sports content uh, just a quick preview we should have a Champions League preview piece uh, similar to that one we did uh, last year if you can remember that far back to anyone listening uh, coming out tomorrow on Tuesday just before the first round of fixtures so be sure to keep an eye out for that uh, I want to say a thank you very much to Stu and Graham and Amy for joining me today be sure to check out Extra Time and the Fancy Ramble later on in the week but until then I've been Jack Donnelly this has been the Football Roundup thank you very much for listening and we will see you next time